Welcome to the latest episode of the Informing Choices Minipod. Our world today has been created from a consumption mentality, but increasingly we are becoming aware of the unsustainable nature of such an approach. Our growing understanding of the complex and interconnected processes that make up the fragile natural systems on which we all ultimately rely is increasingly shaping our political, business and personal lives and our outlook. So how might our relationship with the natural world evolve and what role could technology play in helping us enable a more sustainable world? To consider humanity's relationship with the natural world, I'm very pleased to welcome Lisa Lingso to the podcast. Lisa is a keynote speaker, a futurist and founder CEO of Future Navigator. Lisa, a warm welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. So let's start with this. How would you describe the nature of the current relationship between humanity and the natural world? Well, as it is at the moment, uh, it's very much uh, trying to optimize nature so that it fits humankind. I know that there are a few strains that are moving in other directions, especially during the pandemic. You know, we have spent more time in nature than ever before. Yeah. And now we have some waves uh, towards rewilding. Otherwise, it's really optimization. So it's uh, creating a vertical garden that will allow us to harvest four times a year trying to develop meat in labs, lab-grown meat. So we might put that into our mega cities. Uh, we have uh, people saying that 90% uh, will live in mega cities by 2050, you know? So, so uh, the relationship to nature, broadly speaking, has been really, you know, something abstract that we don't know much about any longer. We spent 90% inside. So nature is something we see in nature programs, you know, on Netflix, yes. rather than actually spending time out there. So we had this whole romantic idea. And uh, once you go into nature, it's completely industrialized by uh, humankind. Uh, the most popular bird or the most uh, common bird is this chicken that we all eat, you know, which has yes. been completely gene manipulated. So biodiversity is going rapidly down. So, so the way I got into this as a futurist was to say, okay, so what do we do about nature when we won't need it, strictly speaking, to live off in the future? Uh, and we can see that we don't even need the farmland because that can be grown in labs and even we'll have driverless cars. So we won't even need the parking lots anymore. So what are we going to use all this land for? This was the initial uh, question uh, for these uh, scenarios, because if you look back in London, uh, once we didn't need the horses anymore, as a mean of transport, you know, we didn't care about horses anymore yeah. uh, because then the cars took over. So is that what we're going to see uh, in terms of, of, of nature? If we don't need it anymore, will we just throw it away? You know, will it be used for, I don't know, harvesting uh, uh, sunlight, you know, these big farms uh, catching sunlights to produce energy to this yeah. humankind or... What are we going to, or maybe we'll dig it all up to, to put our excess CO2 uh, underneath the earth. Uh, so will we just keep 
demolishing uh, the society as we know it. Uh, you know, we had uh, Elon Musk is working now on, on putting life on Mars. So do we need nature at all? And then there is this other scenario that I would like to discuss with you, Steve, is that we use technology to have a much better understanding of our own uh, natural part as humans yeah. and our own interdependence with that. And, and only this week, you know, they have started really to measure, for instance, how sentient pigs are, how, how vulnerable they are to pain and how they can actually think. Uh, and, and maybe it's just because we don't speak the same language that we are not being more respectful to them, just to give an example. Yeah. So and, and and trees can talk as well as apparently. So so uh, maybe you know technology will open our eyes uh, for this uh, more a kind of worshiping of of nature because suddenly we realize this this empathy that we have with it. There's another interesting thing that has come out from the the pandemic is that apparently if you do gardening work you live longer not just because of looking at green stuff but apparently there are some bacteria that can go into your intestines which are really good for humankind there's a paradox between how damaging we can be as a species to the natural environment whilst at the same time acknowledging how critical it is to our species survival and both those things seem to be going on at the same time, don't they? They do. And it's I think it's because we don't have this holistic uh, perspective on society. Yeah. Uh, too many things are falling down between chairs. So if nobody, if it's nobody, the business of business is business. And if it's nobody's business, nobody's taking care of nature, yeah. basically. That's how it has been. The, the, the question is now whether... Uh, with pattern recognition, uh, with the artificial uh, intelligence, suddenly we can see, you know, we need to interfere. Uh, we can suddenly see these big climate changes. We can see the cost to humankind. And, and then we can fix it in an even more artificial way, or we can go in a more natural way of fixing it. And, and this is where my two scenarios come in, uh, because uh, we are seeing a, a large amount of vulnerability. We have the, the war in Ukraine going on right now. You don't need a lot of imagination to see that somebody will put a switch off button soon. I'm, I'm working in Nisa, uh, foresight in the European Commission, right. looking at cyber attacks. You know, we could have a cyber attack and then we will ask you, Steve, so what are your living skills? You know, can you <laughs> yes. do anything with your hands <laughs> in order to survive, you know, plant stuff, uh, uh, have an animal? You know, what are your ability to do that? Uh, so, so, so in one of the scenarios, we see these decentralized, self-contained, off-the-grid, back-to-the-nature uh, situation where you still tap into uh, global wisdom of data, but where you try to create some kind of, of strength from not being too dependent on this uh, global interdependence. And in the other, well, that's where we can basically automate everything, even humankind. So we basically don't need to go out anymore. We need to 
just recreate uh, nature and these metaverses. And uh, we can uh, think that we are climbing Mount Everest without even being there. And then we don't risk being killed as well. And uh, as a futurist, I can just see that laziness is a huge driving force. And if it's if it's cheaper, if it's easier, if we don't let so much CO2 out, well, maybe people in the mega cities will prefer, you know, augmented nature or unnatural nature, if you like. A couple of things that have struck me as you've been going through some of the um, uh, some of those topics. Um, and one going back to what you were talking about um, around looking at the natural world and it's the way that it operates at an organic level there are some kind of parallels clearly some parallels with the way that humans naturally operate whether it's relationships whether it's the way that we grow and learn those kind of things but there are some also some lessons for business and for organizations to look at those more natural systems and think about how they apply within our organizations the other thing I think you just started to touch on there was the vulnerability of humanity and that whatever we do to make ourselves more comfortable or safer, there's an, there's an increasing fragility about what we build, which makes us increasingly vulnerable because we lose the ability, we lose the skills to survive without those technologies. Um, and, and finally, I'm always enthralled by the idea when we start to talk about technology as a tool to achieve an end rather than technology being the end in itself, which also seem to be something that, that you're saying there. What are, what are your thoughts on those? Oh, great reflection, Steve. I think I think what you just touched upon is that maybe uh, nature is our reset button and that's really mm -hmm. it. And uh, at the moment, we can still, you know, unplug and reset, unplug from all the technologies, all the things that we have done. But now we are at a tipping point with CRISPR, for instance, with the gene editing, that we might not be able to go back to our own original self. Uh, because if everybody has been augmented or changed, away, uh, then there won't be a reset button anymore. And I think that is exactly what touches upon our vulnerability. The other one, Steve, what was that again? <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the Looking at the lessons around the organic nature of, of, of the natural world and how we bring those in and, and technology being tools. Exactly. I mean, a lot of our invention has really been based on biomimicry mm. uh, so that we have tried to replicate. So when we go flying, we really try to replicate the bird, you know. Uh, so so uh, getting all the inspiration from nature, we're going through uh, a lot of work right now trying to replicate the human brain, you know, as yep. a neural network. Uh, so, so I think... Um, I think understanding uh, nature and getting closer to nature will allow us to um, to make nature even more natural than it has been. So let me explain. So so really understanding biodiversity, we can we can do a lot more to reinstate the biodiversity. Uh, we can uh, recreate the coral reef by. Uh, 
uh, for instance, uh, manipulating the corals so they can sustain a little hotter waters and we can uh, recreate species. So you could foresee this future where you go through great length in trying to recreate uh, the biodiversity uh, and nature because you find out that this is really the sort of complexity we need, the interdependence we need for everybody to strive. So, so we end up uh, using technology to recreate, um, but I don't think we will uh, look into a future which is, you know, going back to basics. Maybe yeah. if we have a third world war and everything is destroyed, <laughs> then we have to start over. Uh, but otherwise, um, it's really, technology will be an undercurrent in both, but it won't be the end goal. But the scenarios are really uh, very opposing because one is really uh, mega cities deprived from a lot of, of nature. Uh, but I think we will find out that in order for people to strive and have energy and we still maintain people as the most important uh, uh, production force, if you like. So mm -hmm. we are important. And all measures show that uh, if you do walk and talk and if you spend time in nature, you strive and you work much better. Yeah. So um, what's quite interesting where you where you outlined uh some aspects of uh, of the scenarios and i'll put a link in the podcast description to the scenario mm -hmm. so people can go and go and look at them themselves but um you know i was thinking again as you as you were talking through some of those issues that either of the scenarios you've outlined indicate to me a very radical change to the way that economics works a very radical change to the way that politics and geopolitics works particularly around the nature of international collaboration i suppose which sort of put some of the conflicts and particularly the conflict we're seeing now in europe into perspective because the most important thing i guess that we're really talking about here is how humanity and society respond and how people whatever the outcome from the use of technology and our relationship with the natural world, that people can continue to live fulfilling lives. And actually, nature and the nat natural world is likely to play a high, so such a significant role in that, that arguably, you know, it, well, it is the most important problem that humanity has to solve, isn't it? It is. This whole environmental crisis is... is uh is huge and uh, I've just been to a folk meeting in Bonholm and I saw all these angry youth and they were attacking the TV media and they are getting really angry and impatient and for good reason and uh, I think we might be able to give legal rights to rivers and forests and and um, but again it sometimes it's a the big challenge is if people live in mega cities completely away from nature, it becomes a very theoretical issue yeah. rather than an emotional one. So we can't really relate to it. Uh, there's a lot of romanticism around it rather than real life experience. So a game changer could be uh, once we have uh, more uh, portable uh, working styles, more hybrid working styles. So at the moment, I know uh, Paris is putting out all traffic from the city center. They say that everybody should be able to reach anything on foot basically within 15 minutes. 
uh, which would allow people to spend more time outside. Uh, so so uh, how do we get people to spend more out time outside, which would be then a driving force to care more about your surrounding and your nature. On the other hand, if we have people spending all their time behind a screen, well, they know nature is important and they know that maybe some food is coming from there. If the food is not even coming from nature any longer, I think the, 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 the what do you call it, the court uh, that mother has to the baby in the side, the umbilical cord is somehow cut, you know, it's amputated. Yeah. So, so that kind of love and compassion needs yeah. to get back into the relationship. Um, and it's, you're completely right, Steve, you said we see it in uh, humans' relationship to, to a lot of things. Like if you look at dating, do you prefer a real human who will argue against you? Or would you rather have a chatbot like the replica who's all the time, you know, giving you compliments and is telling you all the stuff that you would like to hear in a relationship? So, so we have uh, these uh, very interesting uh, competitions uh, going on right now. And... Uh, well, I think Elon Musk, when he's saying that we should colonize Mars, it's really, uh, you know, he's into a gloomy view of the future that uh, we can just create uh, this artificial uh, space around ourselves. And I think that's really sad. I would love my, I have four children myself. I would really uh, love them to have this uh, uh, relationship uh, to nature. Uh, so uh, we might well see... Uh, and a new kind of youth who will start worshiping nature like it's a religion. We already see that with the mm. anti-meat movement that, uh, you know, uh, the whole movement that are understanding that, that uh, animals can feel and sense like we can. Uh, so a whole different kind of respectfulness around it. I think the whole um, identity politics is going into that as well. Respecting diversity, respecting that we should all be different. Also that nature has a right to be here, even though they don't speak the same language as we do, but they were here before. So, so all this around also indigenous people who's now getting a say in the political uh, debate again. So, so uh, yeah, I, I really see two scenarios here, Steve, uh, because yeah. I know that, that a lot of humankind is driven by business and laziness. <laughs> and then there's the other part, which is the uh, more long-term, the ancestors thinking, you know, if you look at yourself as an ancestors, uh, are people going to thank you for what you did? Or are they going to say, you were such a nasty person? And in the old days, when you wanted to leave something behind, you know, you left a huge building, some kind of monument uh, that people would look at. And, and these days, I think people are more focused on leaving a footprint that uh, is moving forward in terms of, of solving a big situation like biodiversity or uh, the environmental crisis. Lisa, that's been absolutely wonderful. I mean, our time is 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 almost up. One of the things that, or another thing that I'm reflecting on, I'm often talking about uh, a very human future, a more human future, one where actually what we're doing is intelligently using technology to enhance humanity rather than damaging it. That, and I think what this conversation has done has actually said a big part of that 
actually involves bringing the natural world into that creation of a more human future. Uh, and I think, you know, that combination is what I'm taking away from this conversation today. So thank you so much for your time. That's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Do let your friends and colleagues know about the Informing Choices mini pod, and there'll be another episode along very soon. <laughs>